From the rounds of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sing creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn. Shepherds in their fields abiding, watching all their flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn God is with us, even now His love is here. Come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. God is with us, even now His love is here. His love is here. pastoral interns slash residents for City Church. Um, if you're just now joining us online, we're glad to um, have you there as well, and happy good morning after uh, Christmas. So I hope you all enjoyed and had a Merry Christmas. Um, usually we start our services with a call to worship to orient our minds and hearts 
as we get ready to sing and hear God's word. And so the call to worship for today is from Psalm 100 and John chapter 10. So I'll go ahead and read it for us and then pray. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to enter your courts with praise this morning, as the psalmist says, uh, that though we like sheep had all gone astray, each of us had turned to his own way, through faith in Jesus, we can come into your presence with singing and know you as our God. Though Advent is officially ending and we look towards the new year, uh, may we always be in a season where we can remember the gospel, that Jesus the good shepherd, came to live among his sheep. And because of his death in our place, we not only have life, Lord, but we have it abundantly. So, Father, we sing, as we sing these songs and hear your word today, uh, will you open the eyes of our hearts to see the beauty of the gospel again, that Christ would lay down his life for us, the ultimate proof that you are good and that your steadfast love does indeed endure forever. May we experience his love afresh today, Lord, and may it lead us to worship, and may this worship transform us through the power of your spirit. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you guys to stand with us as we sing together, uh, Joy to the World.
Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it is so good to see you. I hope you've had a Merry Christmas. If you're new here, uh, we are so glad that you've joined us. My name's Jay. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a joy to get to be with you today. Um, if you're new here, like I said, uh, we are a church that aspires to be an authentic community walking with God in our city, and we hope that you can see that in uh, our efforts this morning. I want to say thank you in particular to uh, Eric, Elizabeth, our AV team, the hospitality team, and kids ministry, those who are volunteering this morning. This is a hard morning to uh, staff volunteers the day after Christmas, but we are incredibly grateful for them and their time and their service to us to make this morning happen. I have a few announcements. Uh, first, if you came in and got a bulletin, you'll see a connection card. Uh, we ask uh, and encourage all people, whether you've been here for years or this is your first time, to fill one out uh, to indicate some prayer requests that we as a staff can pray for uh, during the week. Uh, you can mark interest in serving on teams or any questions that you have. You are welcome to put those on there. We can get in touch with you that way. You can also find that online if you're on the live stream. You can find that online at uh, citychurchgmv.com slash connection. You can also fill one out on your phone for those who are here with us. Uh, we serve a generous God, and part of our worship of the people of God is to give generously. That's what we feel like we are called to. And if you feel the same and you want to give, you can do so in two different ways. You can do it online, citychurchgmb.com slash give. And uh, if you want to give in person, we have a, a brown box in the back for you to do that as well. A few quick announcements here. We are currently, as you know, in kind of this holiday schedule of one service at 10 o'clock. We have that one more week, uh, this coming January 2nd. Then January 9th, we will go back to our two-service schedule, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Uh, likewise, next week, so this week, uh, if you're a parent here and you have children nearby, um, we have kind of a limited class offering this morning, part of that uh, being the day after Christmas. But next week, we'll have a full-staffed um, all the classes will be staffed, and so just keep that in mind uh, moving forward. Our community groups are on break. Those are kind of the lifeblood of our church. We meet uh, weekly in homes across the city at different nights of the week. So if you're looking for kind of a smaller community of people to study the Bible with, to walk through life with, have a meal each week, um, you can find out more information. We have cards at the welcome table with all the different community groups and where they meet and when and who to contact about those. They are on break until next Sunday, January 2nd. We will start those back up again, and we hope that you would consider being a part of one. January 4th, uh, Perspectives. Um, that's a uh, class that goes on in our city uh, pre-seasonally, I think maybe annually. It's a class on international missions. 
um, we would encourage you to check that out. That starts January 4th. It's not going to be here, but if you want more information, uh, you can reach out to Emily Simmons. Um, she is the chair for our missions committee. She can get you more information. You can indicate that on your connection card, uh, and we can kind of connect you to if you want to do that as well. Um, January 10th through the 14th is our week of prayer and fasting. We do this seasonally at the beginning of each semester. We like to take time as a community to pray, to fast, um, to, to prepare ourselves for kind of the coming year, uh, this go-around. And so we would encourage you, if you're able to do that, if health permits, health, um, you know, your health permits, to fast during that lunch break, spend that time in prayer, and then every night we'll, of the week we'll meet at, I believe, 5.30, here in the sanctuary, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, January 10th through the 14th, to spend time praying together as a church. I hope to see you there. That's it for announcements. We have a special moment. Each month, we like to take a moment and uh, talk about international missions, to hear an update from our missions partners. We have three families that we partner with, three missionary families that we partner with. This morning, we're going to get a video update from Ebby and Esther, uh, if you've been around, we've been partnering with them, I think, for about a year or so. Um, we support them financially. A few of our community groups have uh, ongoing relationships with them, praying for them, supporting them. They're going to give us an update on how they're doing. They are in Chicago, the Chicagoland area. Uh, Ebby just finished his uh, dissertation, I believe, recently, and Esther is working on finishing hers up in the next few months. They're from India. And they're planning on going back to India after they finish their time here in the States to uh, church plant. And so in the meantime, though, they've been having, a, this, uh, from what I can see, a thriving ministry, uh, discipling people overseas from Chicago via Zoom and, and other means. So they'll talk a little bit about that, and they're going to share ways that we can pray for them. And then at the end, I will uh, lead us in a time of prayer for them. So I, I will say this. Um, Hopefully it works, because I had to, this is the first time we're showing a video with our setup, with the live stream and all that kind of stuff, so if something is funky, all of you out in YouTube land, I'm so sorry, I tried to get it right, but we're going to see if we can do this, okay? So, George, take it away. Hi, Gainesville City Church family. We are so glad to connect with you through this short video. Thank you so much for your continued prayers and financial support. We had a wonderful time in Gainesville in July. Uh, just five months ago, uh, it was so nice to uh, connect with uh, a couple of life group, preach in the Sunday worship service, share our story with interested people in the church, uh, stay with our host family, and uh, spend time with uh, Pastor Chipper. We got to know through Pastor Chipper how the city church was planted. Having understood the importance of a launch team, we have started to pray for the launch team for our church plant in India and started recruiting people for the launch team. Appreciate your prayers for this. Another important highlight uh, of our uh, ministry between our uh, Gainesville visit and Nowless Trellis 2021. It's a three-day in-person retreat that we conducted for the Indian Christian families living in the U.S. in October 22, 23, and 24 in our home church uh, in Chicago land. 17 families, uh, 32 adults, and 24 children from six different states attended this retreat. 
Most of them are part of our weekly discipleship cohort and also uh, in our initiative to develop uh, an online uh, resource platform, uh, strong biblical content in Indian languages. Rest of them have started to attend our weekly discipleship cohort meeting and involve uh, in our initiative. We also live stream the retreat. Uh, some of the people who attend our weekly discipleship class from Canada, Scotland, UK, France, New Zealand, India, and Singapore have been benefited uh, by our live streaming. We have officially launched uh, the website. Uh, we still have a long way to go. Uh, keep this initiative in, in your prayers. Our countdown um, has already begun. Uh, we have nine more months in the US. Pray that I will finish my PhD strong. Our older son, Ricky, to find a job in his bioethics field and our younger son, Ronnie, to get into the right college with good scholarship. Thank you again for your partnership. Merry Christmas. Let's pray together for Ebby and Esther. God, we thank you for Ebby and Esther, and Ricky and Ronnie, their, their boys. We thank you for the heart that you've given them. Uh, they love you so much, and they love, God, this world so much that they want to share the hope that they have in Christ with those in their home country of India. Thank you for providing for them a means to um, go to, to Trinity Evangelical, Evangelical Divinity School, um, to learn and grow, but at the same time, um, they, they didn't put ministry on pause, and you've, uh, God, you've blessed their ministry in this meantime, connecting with people all over the world um, that need to know the love and hope of Christ, and so we praise you, God, for the work that you are doing through them. God, we praise you for this annual retreat that Ebby was filling us in on, that so many families were a part of it, both locally and through those, the various countries, that's incredible, God. We pray for a continued impact um, that that retreat will have, that their discipleship initiative will have around the world and, and in the USA. God, we also pray for them for the last kind of nine months that they have in the U.S. Um, help Esther finish strong. Um, would you help Ricky to be able to find a job? Um, would you... Give Ronnie wisdom and insight to know what college um, he should be a part of. And God, would you just overall direct the steps of this family that they would, um, God, be your hands and feet to those around them, that they would uh, preach your gospel with confidence, and that, God, we would be inspired by them as a church. God, that you would teach us through our partnership with them what faithfulness looks like in missions, both locally and internationally, that we would step up, God, as a church and join them as we're able to share the love of Christ. We thank you for Ebby and Esther, for Ricky and Ronnie. We pray a blessing over them this morning. And God, we pray for your preached word. Uh, as we come to open your word this morning, would you give us clarity and insight as we look at this passage in Luke. 
Uh, God, would your spirit be among us? Um, would you speak through, through me uh, this morning that we would grow uh, in our love, in our devotion, and in our faith in you? We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you'll open up your Bibles, we are going to um, look at a passage in the book of Luke this morning, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. Uh, You will, uh, I didn't address this earlier, I probably should have. Ryan and Chipper, two of our pastors, they are both uh, out getting much needed rest, and so I uh, am so, I I said thank you to, to Eric and Elizabeth. I'm especially thankful for Eric and Elizabeth because I'm not doing absolutely everything on stage this morning. Uh, and it's a joy to be able to kind of sit in a different uh, role and share God's word with you. So that's Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. If you don't have a Bible, you can uh, follow along on the screen. There's also Bibles around you. Uh, The blue Bible, that's page 950 in the blue Bibles uh, under the seats. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, please always know you can take that Bible with you. That is yours. So this is Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that is Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years. I hope I'm described like that when I'm older. Advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Waiting. Not something most of us are often excited about, especially with things that we are looking forward to. I mean, 
The most obvious example right now is Christmas, when we were children, right? I remember being a child feeling like Christmas took forever to arrive. In one of our Christmas traditions uh, as a family now, as an adult, one of our Christmas traditions, we let our kids open up one gift on Christmas Eve after all the activities of the evening are done. Kind of like a a foretaste, uh, you could say, of the next morning. And this year, I think more than ever, my children tried to negotiate with us a way to open that one gift earlier in the day rather than at the end of the day. Don't worry, my wife Rochelle and I held firm underneath the weight of the pressure of our five children. But my children exhibit a characteristic that I think is is pretty universal. We don't like waiting, especially for things that we're looking forward to, excited about, or what have you. And that's kind of been what Advent has been about. It's been, it's been about waiting. As we've observed Advent together as a church this past month, we've been identifying with the people of Israel and their waiting for the promised Messiah and recognizing that we, too, are in an Advent season of our own. We are awaiting the return of Jesus to wipe away every tear, to make all things new, to bring full restoration as Pastor Chipper mentioned last week. This morning, we're going to spend our Sunday after Christmas Day studying one of the final passages of the birth narrative, one that's not typically included in nativity movies. It's not a scene that's on holiday cards, but one that helps clarify the meaning of Christmas. In this passage this morning, we see God as a faithful promise keeper who's fulfilling his promises for the people who have been waiting for him. And we'll see three things that I hope will encourage you this morning as we end 2021 and we move into 2022. I can't believe it's about to be 2022. (laughs) Those three things are God is faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful, not predictable. And then the third part, God is faithful. So we worship while we wait. So let's look at that first point. God is faithful to keep his promises. We're going to look at this passage in its context. Luke sits right in the middle of kind of the Old Testament and the New. Although it's part of the New Testament, this is clearly set in an Old Testament context where God has made certain promises that have yet to be fulfilled, promises to the people of Israel of a coming Messiah, promises about how all the nations will be blessed through Abraham's line, And first and foremost, turn the page. And we come to a point where the fulfillment of these promises are coming into fruition with the birth of Jesus. Luke 1 and 2 are really a setup for the ministry of Jesus. It's an origin story for our hero, explaining both the origin of, of John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus, and then, of course, the birth of Jesus. So Jesus has been born in Bethlehem, the angels sang, the shepherds came and worshipped. And now in this passage we come to this morning, it's been 40 days since his birth. And we see Mary and Joseph taking their son to the temple in Jerusalem. So 40 days after childbirth, it was required for a new mother to make a purification offering. And additionally, when a family has a firstborn son, the law of the Lord required that they present this child to the Lord and, and consecrate him to God. So Mary and Joseph, being 
faithful followers of God, they went to Jerusalem from Bethlehem to practice these rites. And it's here that we're introduced to Simeon. Uh, We don't really know a lot about Simeon. He doesn't come back to the story really after this point at all. But what we do know about Simeon is that he was devout and righteous. He was uh, uh, from Jerusalem. We can infer from context that he was likely an older man, though that's never really explicitly stated. And we know that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And we need to remember that all this is happening before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts. So this, this is, there's only a few instances, instances in Scripture where the Holy Spirit is upon someone. And so this indicates in some ways that Simeon had a very unique role to play in this story. You see, God had promised to Simeon that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the promised one of Israel. So he, Simeon, was tasked as kind of a watchman. And here, you see by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he finds himself at the temple at the same time as Mary and Joseph. He basically bumps into them in a seemingly random occurrence, but as we know, nothing really here is random at all. And he looks at the baby and he knows. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he knows that this is the Messiah and he praises God. And just like your modern day musical, he bursts into song. (laughs) Just to decide here, the first couple chapters of Luke, if you like musicals, it's basically a musical. There's all these characters going from speaking to bursting out in song, and here Simeon does as well. And if you don't like musicals, I'm not sure what to say. Go watch the new Spielberg West Side Story. It's incredible. And then let me know if you still dislike musicals. (laughs) At any rate, we see Simeon here praising God and pronouncing the impact that this baby is going to have, not just on the people of Israel, but on how how he's going to bless all peoples. So the question is, how do we see God's faithfulness in keeping his promise here? First and foremost, we see God fulfilling Old Testament prophecies that had been made concerning the Messiah. But what I want to take note of is this kind of dual faithfulness of God. We see God keeping promises both at this large level, these promises for an entire community, entire people. But he's also keeping his promise to this individual, Simeon. God cares for both Israel as a group, but he also cares for this individual. He provides Simeon a promised peace that Simeon seemingly has been waiting for for a very, very long time. And God's faithfulness isn't some vague idea that only applies to the church or to a community of people, although it is that. His faithfulness applies to you. How do I know? Well, we see God's faithfulness throughout Scripture. It's literally everywhere, both as statements of God's faithfulness, but also actions that prove his faithfulness. We see it in the Old Testament as God rescues the people out of of Egypt, the people of Israel. We see it as he establishes Saul and then the line of David as kings over Israel. We see it as he cares for the people throughout their exile. We see it with him bringing them back and rebuilding the temple and wall with Ezra and Nehemiah. This isn't even an exhaustive list. Look at the accounts of Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Daniel, Job, Joshua, Esther. He provides and sustains them. In the New Testament, look at all the early church and Paul, Peter, Timothy, and others, and how he took them through various trials and ordeals and was with them the entire time, leading them. Okay, Jay, but that's 
That's all in the Bible. How about something more present day? Okay. Well, let's look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6, God promises to always provide for his children. He, it talks, Jesus talks about how if God cares for the birds and the flowers and provides for what they need, of course he's going to provide for his own children. So th- there are many instances where God has provided in tough situations for me and for folks that I know. A car breaks down, someone, el- someone loses a job, folks are struggling simply to pay the bills, and I've seen God time and again provide in surprising and seemingly miraculous ways. And one of the beautiful things I've seen, this is kind of an aside, is that oftentimes the means by which God shows his faithfulness is through the actions of the people of God, through many of you sharing your resources to help those around you in need, being an instrument of God's faithfulness to others as you are caring for the needs of those around you. You are a part of God's faithfulness to others. But the bottom line that God throughout history has been faithful to care for his children. Because God is faithful to keep his promises. He can't do anything else. When you come to a point in your life where you question his faithfulness, remind yourself of all the times that he has been faithful in small and in big ways in the past. One thing I believe trips us up when we're in a season of waiting and we can't see God's faithfulness. We tend to think that God is as predictable as he is faithful. We define in our minds how his faithfulness should manifest itself. We create an expectation with our limited understanding about how a certain situation should go. Or we project on him expectations on the outcome of a season of waiting. And we're let down in the moment when it doesn't go the way we expect, thinking God hasn't been faithful. No, he has always been faithful. But his faithfulness is often unpredictable and always guided by his infinite wisdom, not our limited understanding. Let me say that again. God has always been faithful, but his faithfulness is often unpredictable and is always guided by his infinite wisdom and care, and not guided by our limited understanding, which we actually see in this next point, that God is faithful, not predictable. When Simeon finishes his song of praise, he turns to Mary and Joseph, and he speaks both a blessing over them and a prophecy. Verses 34 and 35, it says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I imagine this was quite an unexpected word for the parents of Jesus. Up until this point, the only things really spoken about Jesus and his coming uh, in, in the New Testament are two instances of the, the same words spoken by the angel of the Lord to Mary and Luke, uh, Luke chapter 1, and then the angel speaking uh, to Joseph in Matthew 1. He says the same things. He says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Super positive. But also in Luke, we see the angel of the Lord speaking to the shepherds in Luke 2, 
describing Jesus as a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Again, really positive and uplifting. But here, in this account, well, here's the thing. What we see in those accounts is we see the what of the work of God. We see what is going to happen. But with Simeon, we, the reader, along with Jesus' parents, are getting a, more, a bit more of the how. Jesus is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. This recalled to, to my mind passages such as like Isaiah 8.14. He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it, and they shall fall and be broken. But also, Simeon's words here remind me of Psalm 118, where we read of the cornerstone that the builders rejected. The division that Simeon is referencing, it's kind of like this. It's that Jesus is the rock by which some will be lifted out of the mud and mire, to reference Psalm 40, but also Jesus will be the rock that others will trip over and fall into the mud and mire. But more than that, he says that Jesus will be opposed, but that through that opposition, many hearts will be revealed. Jesus came, in in part, to reveal the true heart of man. You see throughout the Gospels, people hear the message of Jesus and their true hearts towards God are revealed. But to those who repent and believe, both to those who repent and believe, and to those who reject Christ. The last piece of this how of the work of Christ is in some ways the most tragic given this context. Simeon, as an, as an aside, he includes for Mary, he says, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. I imagine this would be tough to receive as, as a brand new mother celebrating the birth of her first child. I imagine it would be even tougher to believe as it would be decades before this became true. But Simeon casts a shadow over this whole thing by giving Mary a heads up that this is going to cause her specifically much sorrow and much pain, that her son will not simply be opposed, but the intensity of which he is opposed will be so much so that it's as if she too were pierced by a sword into her own soul. This, as we know on this side of history, foreshadows the torture and death of Jesus. Have you ever looked back on your life, maybe a certain season where you prayed for something and it didn't go the way you intended, yet in hindsight you can see God's faithfulness? I sometimes feel like that's most of my life. I want to share, when I was in college, I was studying music. My primary instrument was percussion. I loved percussion from the time I picked up a pair of sticks as a 13-year-old, and I played through high school. And then I decided, I love this so much, I want to I study it in college. And so I went into college, ready to study music, and college started to kind of take away the joy uh, of music for me. My sophomore year, I was, I was getting burnt out, and my motivation to practice was waning. I then developed tendonitis and had to take a break from it. Then a couple weeks later, I was in a car accident that left my wrist broken in two places. I had to wear a cast for two to three months. And I ended up not playing percussion for over a year. I was angry with God. 
I didn't understand how he could take this thing that was such a treasure to me, how he could take this thing away. But there are things that I gained from that experience that I would not have otherwise. I felt God at moments saying, I'm taking care of you, even if you don't understand how. See, this is what happened. I was set, so I was set to lose my scholarship to the school because I couldn't play anymore. Um, because they're performance-based scholarships. Obviously, if you can't play something, they're not going to give you the money for school. Not that they're heartless, but that's just the way things work. But God provided for me in that. The director of the school of music, he funded my scholarship out of his own discretionary budget rather than the scholarship budget, and he had no obligation to do that. I still had to satisfy degree requirements, which included private lessons. It included performing in a large ensemble. And so they allowed me to take voice lessons, to take music composition lessons. I sang in the chorale instead of playing in the wind ensemble. I took music technology courses and learned about video and audio production. So my degree became this kind of hodgepodge of stuff that a typical music student would not get. <clears throat> but I look back on that and I think, thank you, God, for all of that. Thank you for the provision so I could keep going to school. Thank you for the flexibility of the faculty of the school to allow me to mix and match classes to satisfy my degree requirements. <clears throat> and thank you that I have a degree that is way more suited for what I do as a career now than it would have otherwise. I don't think I could have predicted I would need to know as much about singing, about technology, about songwriting, as I do now. And God started that path through all of that with a car accident and a broken wrist. You see, church, the path of God's faithfulness doesn't always mean the safe path. It doesn't always mean the easy path. But it is the right path. Like, uh, gotta have a C.S. Lewis reference here, right? Like Mr. Beaver in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, speaking of Aslan to Lucy, when, he, when she asks if he is safe, Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. God is faithful and good even when things are not the way we think they should be. What Simeon shares about what Jesus will do, I doubt this was a message Mary and Joseph were ready to hear. It wasn't this happy, easy path. And here it serves as the ultimate example the means of God's faithfulness can often be messy. The means of God's faithfulness can often be messy. It's often difficult in the moment. But in the end, it is always good and right and true. And his goodness always shines forth. And Simeon is prophesying just that. The salvific work of Jesus was going to be difficult. It was going to be fraught with division and trouble for the people of Israel. But it will also be what? Verse 25 references Christ's work of salvation as the consolation of Israel, that it's going to comfort Israel. Additionally, verse 32 describes the work of Christ as a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So while messy in the moment, we see the ultimate work of Christ as beautiful and glorious. But just as the means by which God fulfills his promises are often unpredictable, we also see here his timing. His timing is often unpredictable. Simeon had no idea how long he was going to have to wait and watch for the coming Messiah. 
only that he would see him before he died. And it's an interesting thing to note. Many of the characters in the birth narrative of Jesus are, are old. Zechariah and Elizabeth, it says they were advanced in years. Simeon's context of, I wouldn't see the death and uh, my, I wouldn't see death until I saw the Lord's Christ, and now I can depart in peace. This kind of indicates that he is likely pretty old. Anna, the prophetess that we'll get to in a moment, she's also described, as I said earlier, advanced in years. The only young characters are Mary and Joseph. And many of these older saints have been waiting so long. They represent, in a manner, the people of Israel who have been waiting and watching for God to fulfill his promise for a very long time. God's timing is rarely what we expect. Yet just as Simeon and Anna continued in their devotion, even in the waiting, we too are called to worship in this waiting, which is our final point. God is faithful, so we worship while we wait. As we've noted, Simeon is described in verse 25 as righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. But Anna, we're looking at Anna, Anna is described in 37 and 38 in this way. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. These two people give us a picture of what it means to wait on God's promises. So often we can make waiting a passive posture. We delay taking actions until we see God show up. But, but I fear that misses out on all the, the things that God wants to do in, in a season of waiting. Waiting is, is part of the process by which God is faithful. And we are called to an active waiting. We don't simply sit and do nothing. We watch like Simeon for the coming Messiah. We worship like Anna as she fasted and prayed at the temple night and day. We trust in the sovereign God of the universe, just as the people of Israel did as they trusted in his goodness, in his wisdom, in his righteousness, and in his power to provide for them what they needed and what was best for them, namely a savior. We worship God in the waiting as we look back on his faithfulness and we trust in his future grace toward us. And as we look forward, there's a sense where we don't have to wait any longer. I, I want to kind of explain what I'm saying here. In, in a very real sense, what we are waiting for is here, even as we await its completion. And you actually see this in Simeon's story. Just as Simeon looked at the baby Jesus and he said, my eyes have seen your salvation, we can look at Christ in the same way. Simeon knew when he was looking at the baby, that salvation had not yet occurred. But he knew it was inevitable and that this child was God's salvation embodied. So much so that in a sense, salvation was here and salvation was yet to come. And we live in this same already not yet scenario. With his death, burial, and resurrection, Christ has secured for us salvation but he has yet to bring it into its fullness with his return to rule and reign and bring the new heavens and new earth. But there is a certainty. Just as Simeon could now depart in peace because of the certainty with which the baby Jesus brought with him into the world, we too can have peace because of the certainty of the hope of Christ's return. 
And what do we do in the meantime? We worship and we share the hope of Christ with those who too are waiting. Anna, you see, when she saw Jesus, she didn't keep it to herself. She praised God and then immediately started sharing about him to those in the temple who were also waiting. We need Annas in our lives, and we need to be Anna to other people as we wait. We often need reminding of the certainty of our salvation in Christ. We often need reminding of the work that has been accomplished on our behalf, that we should just stop striving so hard to do something that we cannot do, namely save ourselves. But we also need to be there for those around us that are lost and alone, hurting, tired, and exhausted. They need, with sensitivity and grace, to be reminded of the hope that we have in Christ. While we wait, we worship. We worship the God of the universe who is infinitely powerful, infinitely wise, and infinitely good. We celebrate the ways in which he has been faithful to us in the past. We worship with longing for a time where he will complete his work and bring final justice and restoration to our broken world. But you may be asking, Jay, what if this season of waiting is painful? I just want it to be over. What do I do with that? And I know that the pandemic has been that kind of season for many of us. For many of you, the, the anxiety, the fear, the stress has been real and extended long past when you expected it to be over. What we can do is we can pray for relief. We can pray and acknowledge God's power over our lives, acknowledge that we have no control, and we can place our trust in the God who has control and loves you dearly. God uses the waiting to refine us, to shape us, to mold us into his likeness, that we would have a greater trust, a greater love, and a greater intimacy in our relationship with him. When waiting hurts, it's an opportunity to place your trust in the God who sees your pain and can identify with you in a very personal way. Christ endured so much pain for you. He understands completely. Run to him for comfort and strength during a season that might feel too much to bear. I'm going to close with a reading of, of Psalm 130. Listen to these words. This is written by someone in a season of waiting. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Amen. So we, each week, we take time. In this season of waiting, communion is kind of part of this act of waiting. 
It's part of what it looks like to wait on the return of Christ. It's a reminder. It's a way that we can remind ourselves of the work of Christ on our behalf, his body broken, his blood shed for us. So we do that each week. Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, he took, he had a meal with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. As you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. And likewise, taking the cup, he poured the drink and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. As you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And Paul writes, as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim Christ's death until he returns. In this season of waiting, we remind ourselves of the beauty of the gospel on the certain hope that we have in Christ. And it's a means of, in some ways, encouraging us in this season that can be really difficult, whatever that might be for you. We observe communion in a, few dif- uh, in, in a certain way. We, we, uh, we have a deacon and an elder uh, or elder standing on either side. They'll hold a bowl and they'll pass you the, uh, what is it called? The bread. I, I don't, uh, it's not bread. It's, it's, a, it's a wafer. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Uh, they'll pass you the wafer. Uh, and, uh, and then you can come to the table and we will have cups Uh, juice for you as well. And you're welcome to take communion here or back at your seat. There's no um, dismissal by row or anything like that, as uh, many of you are aware. And this is for anybody who um, expresses faith in Christ. You are welcome. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to be a regular attender. If you believe in Jesus, you are welcome to this table. If you're here and you wouldn't say that you believe in those things, first, we're really happy that you're here. We're glad that you've joined us and you're considering these things, but I would encourage you to, to not participate in a meal that you wouldn't say that, that you believe in uh, at this time, but instead maybe reflect on some of the things we've talked about this morning and to know that I'm available and the rest of our staff and elders and, and deacons are, are available to talk to you and process these things with you actively. So I'm going to pray for us. There'll be a moment of silence and then Eric and Elizabeth will lead us in some music. During that moment of silence or uh, the music, you are welcome to take communion as you'd like. Let me pray for us. God, we, we give you praise this morning. We praise you as Simeon did when he was looking at the baby Jesus. We give thanks as Anna did when she saw Jesus And we acknowledge the certain hope that we have in Christ and in his work on the cross. God, would you be with us? Renew our faith. Give us strength as we enter into 2022. Um, God, that we would have greater intimacy with you as we wait for your return. That we would, God, worship you in the waiting. That we would Share your love and hope with others around us that are also waiting. And that we would take communion now, God, in a manner that renews our faith, gives us strength. God, may we worship you now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
Perhaps I cried to you in darkest places. I will call, incline your ear to me anew, and hear my cry for mercy. you guys to stand and sing with us in this last part.
you, for you love is mighty. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest fame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness seems to hide His face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the Christ alone. In the Savior's love, through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. He is Lord, Lord of come with trumpet sound oh may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne Christ alone Cornerstone, we may strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone, Cornerstone. Strong in the Savior's love through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all.
been a pleasure worshiping with you this morning. Thank you, Jay, for bringing the word. And uh, I think one of my favorite time parts about this time of year, between Christmas and New Year's, it does give us a chance for most of us to reflect and think about the years gone by, hopes and dreams for the future, and uh, get out of the tyranny of the now and the pressure of everyday life. And so I encourage you to take advantage of that and reflect on God's faithfulness. Because I think sometimes I'm oblivious to it uh, unless I stop and reflect. And so here's this benediction in uh, Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Think about God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, our Father, heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Go in grace.